This is John Hunter from LaGrange, and this WBEZ podcast is made possible with the support of listeners like me. Send WBEZ some love by making a donation online at wbez.org. Thanks. Thank you, John. Well, I'm Jason Mark, and it's time for our weekly get-together, a little something we call the Best of BEZ Talk. Last week, the Supreme Court ruled that swabbing your mouth for DNA if you got arrested for a crime was, in fact, constitutional. The arguments revolved around the Fourth Amendment and privacy issues. But on the morning shift, we started thinking, privacy? Privacy. Many of the people we know and love post everything about themselves and their families, where and when they're going on vacation, which is, of course, perfect if someone wants to break into your house when you're gone, what they eat for lunch, what they're watching on TV. It's all out there. Keep in mind, this came the day before the big NSA, we've got all your telephone records story hit the news. But the idea is the same. Should we be so worried about the government and our digital privacy when we're pretty much giving it all away willingly? For this conversation, we are joined by Christina Nippert-Ing from IIT. She wrote a book, Islands of Privacy, Selective Concealment and Disclosure in Everyday Life. We'll also hear from Tim Akamoff, WBEZ's digital content editor. And, of course, since our shows are all about sparking conversation with you, the audience, let's start things off with a call from Charles. The minute you put pieces of information out there that can be used in a legal way or in any other kind of way without adequate safeguards against your own personal protection, uh it's you know, there's no there's no guarantee on that that this I can only reiterate what she's saying. It's an absolute no no. It's an absolute violation of privacy and personhood and individual freedom. And it should individual privacy should be the mainstay which we go by, not uh, conditions blowing in the wind. You know, legal considerations can change overnight. Thank you. Thanks, Charles. It gets back to, uh, Christina, you know, this expectation that we have. Right. The expectation for privacy relative to certain other people in certain contexts. And part of that expectation, certainly with regard to the Supreme Court decision, has to do with what I like to think of as the difference between the personal value of personal privacy and the social value of personal privacy. And one of the things that we know is that there is a value to the republic to allow people to have privacy, to publish anonymously, to be able to think without fear of surveillance, right? We don't have to go to 1984, although that's a fabulous example, right, mm. of, of thinking about what is the impact of thinking that you might be listened to, watched, surveilled in any way, and what kind of effect does that have on freedom of thought, freedom of association, freedom to express yourself. Creative individuals know that you must have privacy in order to go into those places that challenge the status quo around you in whatever context. Tim uh, Ekimoff, as I mentioned, he's our WBEZ digital content editor. It sounds a little bit like as long as we have the choice 
you know, uh, we do have this expectation that, yes, I want to be able to say things, do things without being uh, watched or listened to by authorities. But once we make a choice, and we're talking about the digital uh, world here, uh, to throw ourselves out there, that's a little different we're, is it, because we're, we are doing that ourselves. Someone else is not doing it for us, although that does happen now. Absolutely. Uh, you know, Google Glass uh, is a technology, wearable technology that you, you wear as glasses and you walk around and, and it's got a little light on it that records. I saw a journalist yesterday put this on his Facebook that he walked into a restaurant yesterday and a man jumped up and screamed at him, take that off, shut mm-hmm. it off. I know you're recording me all the time. Wow. So, I mean, it happens. You leave a digital footprint wherever you go, whether by choice and, and even more nowadays, not by choice. I ride my bike a lot and I, I use a GoPro camera and I often record my bike rides. And those, are, those recordings are picking up people all along the way. Sometimes they'll make their way to YouTube. Well, see, it it's, it's sort of uh, has transcended, Christina, the, the issue of authorities doing it where now we're doing it. And that example that Tim gave, that gentleman was pretty upset. Yeah. So, you know, that's one of the interesting things about privacy to a sociologist, which is there are very few things that I can think of that are more social than the gift of privacy. If you do not want someone to have privacy, it's pretty darn easy to make sure they don't get it. But we have to agree amongst ourselves to gift privacy to each other. We have to say, I am not going to post my GoPro, you know, digital shorts that I'm producing every day, except maybe on my blog. And if I see anything on there that happened in public that I think might, you know, you, you make these decisions all the time. But are we, are we making those decisions thoughtfully, Tim, you think, when it comes to online posting and things like that? No, I mean, when, when people were, you know, recording the end of the Boston Marathon, I don't think they were, you know, being thoughtful about, you know, knowing that they could possibly catch anything that, that might, you know, eventually lead to the, uh, the capture right. of, of people. But, but I think, like you said, it's, it's a, uh, you, you think about these things when you post them somewhere and what's the context for it and how, how am I putting this out there and, and, you know, displaying it for people. The context is actually really important because so much of this then winds up being fragmented and you see only a tiny clip which can mean anything to anybody. 312-923-9239. That is Christina Nippert-Eng. She's a sociology professor at the Illinois Institute of Technology. She's the author of Islands of Privacy, Selective Concealment and Disclosure in Everyday Life. Also in Studio 6, Tim Akimoff. He's WBEZ digital content editor. Let's take a call. Richard online too. Hi, Richard. Good morning. I'm just thinking when I was hearing Lisa Lava speak earlier about her activities online, it prompted me to think about the idea we've inherited in the West regarding the nature of pers- uh, of perceived impartiality in both the justice system and journalism. Mm-hmm. And I think we might do well to rethink that idea for a few reasons. And uh, it just seems like in the modern age and the whole point of uh, modern communication technology is uh, the possibility of sharing information more freely and, uh, you know, it seems to me like when you have uh, journalists uh, are among the people who are the most well-informed and uh, they're persuaded that they should not contribute to the public discussion using their opinions. And uh, it, it seems like improvements could be made to our society's healthy functioning by encouraging wider participation of both, quote, unquote, ordinary citizens as journalists and journalists as active participants in civics. Thanks, Richard. Thanks for your call. Yeah, I think that one of the the issues that our caller just raised is the, the fact that these media that we have are designed to publicize what we think. 
They're designed to put information out there and to connect us in ways that, of course, we want to be connected. Unfortunately, they're not designed to protect our privacy at the same time. And they're also designed to put us out there in ways that, in hindsight, we wish we hadn't done, right? So that's the issue where, in one context, you post something on Facebook, you're thinking about a group of friends that you might have, and isn't that funny or isn't that amusing? But then that gets plucked out in the context of a divorce proceeding later on, and you're, you know, sort of in potentially losing custody of your kid over it. That's different. What, what, what do you think about uh, the caller's thoughts that, you know, this breaking this sort of wall between journalism expert, Tim? You know, I mean, I think journalists can be uh, can operate more in the uh, area of, of expertise and, and and deliver their experts and I think a lot of journalists fear putting their even their their expertise out there in a way that might come come across as opinionated um, I, I still think it's important that journalists don't put their opinions out there I think you know uh, when there's unrest in Egypt I'll often go find uh, NPR reporter Andy Carvin to see what he's saying because he's become an expert on social media and and unrest in the Middle East and I trust his uh, reporting on it he's an expert on it so he can tell me facts directly you know from his reporting but if he starts to talk, talk about, you know, uh, in an opinionated form that, you know, maybe this unrest shouldn't be happening because of this, I would, you know, I would still think that's not a good thing for journalism. And so in a, in a sense, he, does, he doesn't want to reveal that private part of him. You know, I read a blog post last night uh, from a blogger who's, who's got a blog called Citizen of the Month, and it, it kind of talked about in support of lack of privacy. Interesting take. And he joins us now on the line. His name is Neil Kramer. Hi, Neil. So I was just talking a little bit about your post, uh, and I thought it was an interesting take in, in that, you know, that there should be less privacy out there in a way. Yeah, well, um, of course, you know, these are two different issues, as your other guests uh, talked about. I mean, one is privacy being used by others. I'm, I'm not for the government or even right. Facebook using our data, and that, that's definitely like an issue that concerns me. But I, I'm, I've been a blogger for like nine years now, and I'm on Facebook, I take Instagram, you know, like many of us. There's also the issue of about exposing ourselves on Facebook, and to me, that there's a certain positive element to this. I mean, I, we just think back of, like, uh, President Clinton, you know, with his famous, like, he didn't inhale. Uh-huh. And, you know, it really wasn't that long ago, but it, it almost feels like 1950 now. Because everyone, you know, is like on Facebook exposing, you know, talking about their lives. And, and a lot of taboos have just sort of disappeared and will disappear as the next generation grows up on this. So, Tim, do you think what, what Neil's saying is that uh, is a good thing? You know, it, it's sort of giving us a chance to say, hey, we've all done this stuff. And let's in a way, let's let's talk about it. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's interesting. Controversy basically dies down faster these days. And I think partly because controversy crops up quicker. There's there's so much being posted every day that, you know, uh, even even uh, privacy, you know, infringements. Look at when Facebook makes changes to their privacy. You know, people complain about it for several days and then it just quickly, you know, goes away. And, and pretty soon we're not having that conversation anymore. And I think, you know, whether or not it's a good thing or bad thing, I don't know. I think that we've always been a village. We're just a big village nowadays. We've always sort of shared this stuff. 
uh, social media gives us the ability to share it more easily. I think you're, you know, I think it's absolutely right about the fifties. You know, you know that there was stuff happening, but, but definitely in a transition period. I mean, you know, now there's all these college kids going out to school, you know, for jobs now, and the big fear is like, oh, we have to erase, you know, the the party I had in the dorm. But by the time you know they're in the position of hiring, it's just going to seem totally innocuous. It's like because it's everyone's going to have you know ninety year old people are going to have pictures when they were you know smoking pot on, online or. So anyway, just a, a, a bit of uh, easing up perhaps on our on our fears. Hey Neil, thanks for checking in. Uh, I want to take another call. Three one two nine two three nine two three nine is our number. Uh, Tim, what sort of advice do you have for people to, you know, sort of make sure that they're protecting their privacy as much as they can? I spent a lot of time talking to journalists about this. So this advice would would apply to them, but I think any professional. And I I call it the 70-20-10 rule. (laughs) Basically, you know, if you're in a professional capacity, you know, 70% of what you post should be professional. But the social networks are designed for conversation. So I say 20% should be about yourself so that there's something to generate conversation about. 10% should actually be that conversation, that back and forth with people. That's a really nice balance. It gives you, you know, a way to uh, sort of, uh, you know, have a body of work out there that you can either promote or maybe a conversation that you're promoting. Um, but you're driving it through, you know, which I, I tell people, listen, it's not terrible to always post a sandwich you had for lunch. You just don't want to do it every day. You know, there was a lot of backlash. Uh, post 9-11 that a lot of our privacy rights were being, uh, you know, diminished. Uh, do you think that has lessened more? And and, is, and if so, is it just be, because we get used to having our privacy rights uh, diminished in little ways that we don't really notice that much? And that's so correct. And in fact, the legal definition of whether or not there's been um, a legal invasion of privacy that is culpable has it, it's literally would a reasonable person have an expectation of privacy in this context? So as it slips away and it eats away day by day by day, just as Tim was saying before, we get so used to this being out there and so used yeah. to people not having, then the reasonable expectation of privacy is changing constantly as well. <laughs> That's Christina Nippert-Ng from IIT, the author of the book Islands of Privacy. Also in there was Tim Akamoff, WBEZ's digital content editor. And that's yet another interesting, thoughtful conversation in the can here on the best of BEZ Talk, which is a production of Chicago Public Media. Talk programming on WBEZ is produced by Carrie Shepard, Eileen Heikkinen-Weiss, Steve Bynum, Becky Vlamas, Alexandra Solomon, Joe Dassault, and me, Jason Mark, the executive producer of WBEZ Talk programming is Justin Kaufman. Subscribe to this and all of our podcasts and iTunes. When you get there, give us a rating, give us a review. Thank you very much. It helps, and it'll be very, very quick. You can also like us on the Facebooks, follow us on the Twitters, at WBEZ. <clears throat> Chicago Public Media creates award-winning content about the issues that affect our community, our nation, and our world. More information available at chicagopublicmedia.org. Now, you got all that? I'm Jason Mark. Thanks for listening. Till next time, go Hawks! Go Hawks!